Hey everyone, this is Nate Scott and this is the For The Win podcast, your home to everything that's buzzing in the world of sports. Two guests today, one is my old friend and colleague Luke Cardinine, he's old news, he's boring. What is exciting is we have San Weinman here who has a book coming out very shortly, it's called Win It Losing, How Our Biggest Setbacks Can Lead to Our Greatest Gains. Luke and Sam, welcome, thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me Nate, hi Luke. Hey Sam. So Sam is my old boss, by the way, at Golf Digest. So so I, I'm slightly worried there's going to be some dirty laundry aired on this podcast. <laughs> I was expecting it to be a complete suck up podcast. Hopefully, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's coming at me from all directions today. Part two. I want to be just a 35 to 40 minute performance review of everything Luke did in his time at Golf Digest. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if 35 or 40 minutes will cover it, but we can try. <laughs> We could do we could do twenty minutes alone on his you know how the way he sits at a desk. But. Oh my god! Well, we'll yeah. talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> um, that 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 and the cleanliness of the desk has not improved at all. Yes. By the way, yeah, we're gonna have a, yeah, Luke, we're having a meeting about that soon, buddy. Sorry about that. So, anyway, uh, Sam has this book coming out. Win it, losing. How our biggest setbacks can lead to our greatest gains. Coming out December twentieth. Uh, I know Luke has a million questions about this book. I do too. But just first, um, kind of general. Uh, Sam, idea. When when did you when did this idea start percolating for you? Yeah, I would say basically two years ago. Um, Luke's heard a little bit about this, and the 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 genesis of the book really began with my boys, uh, and it began as a much more personal book than it ended up being. Which was, uh, I have two boys who I coach in sports and who are very similar to me and sort of their attitudes about competition and uh, for. For a number of years, I felt like they were guys who really struggled with losing in all kinds of um, forums, you know, whether it be actual games, uh, you know, hockey games or baseball games, but even like touch football on the street or whatever it is, playing cards at home. And so from there, I just sort of became intrigued by the idea of losing and how, you know, being able to lose is a huge uh, asset. And I started to look at myself a little bit just as an athlete and, uh, and Luke and Chester, a pretty mediocre athlete, uh, at least when it comes to golf and certain sports. So, and it's always something that I've felt pretty good about the fact that I've been able to, uh, accept losing and deal with it and actually look at it as kind of uh, something that's helped me in a lot of ways. And so that, anyway, this very small book, I realized was kind of interesting, but what I thought would make it even more interesting was broadening the scope a little bit and looking at people beyond my family and looking at people at high profile levels as well who have dealt with losing in some form or another and how, how they got through it and how in some ways it actually ended up being um, beneficial. And so Sam, like one thing that I'm especially interested in, I can't wait to talk about Greg Norm, by the way, but first, like I have to say from my own personal experience, I definitely noticed. So I came over to America from England when I was 13 and in England, like, in sports and in a lot of different things, there was this general sort of pervading notion that like a good loss is, uh, or a crushing loss is a good thing for a young man. Like you, you kind of need, <laughs> yeah. you kind of need to experience it. And it, it's, it's almost like very much embraced or encouraged um, in, in some ways. Yeah. And then in America, it definitely seems like there's a bit of a different uh, cultural shift. It's one of these very subtle things that I think I noticed where um you, you know, losing isn't necessarily seen as a good thing in a lot of cases. Maybe it is now, but at least when I came over, it was very much like, no, 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 losing sucks, and you avoid it at every single cost you can. 
Well, completely. I think, you know, I, to be speak really generally, I think we, we are in a pretty uh, results-based culture. And, uh, you know, we look at things on a pretty superficial level in terms of uh, success being, um, you know, wins and losses, how much money you make, all those things. And um, there's a whole sort of underbelly to that, which is that real success is not in found in those arenas, but found in the character you build um, you know, and character is built from adversity. So, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of what my response to that, that culture is. And it's like, I live in an environment, which is a lot of type A, uh, people and very results oriented in both sports and, uh, in business and whatnot. And certainly I don't, um, dismiss that. Like we all like validation on, um, in, in whatever the form. But my point is, is that there's a lot of growth and benefits to, fighting through difficult outcomes and i don't you know it's an interesting thing you said about the uk and how it's embraced more over there and now that you mentioned it that does make a lot of sense um because you know the people like just so many people are, are shaped by you know the war and what people went through during the war and how that was a difficult time even though just that that sort of concept is 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 a, a little bit more foreign over here totally that's 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 super interesting you brought that up and i and i do want to talk a little bit of, I, guess, I think this can lead us into Greg Norman's story. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there, there does seem to be an American, you know, there is this obsession with winners, you know, the greatest athlete mm-hmm. ever is Michael Jordan. And for in, in the myth, at least he never, I, I can't remember a time when Michael Jordan lost, at least in his, in the myth, he, mm-hmm. he was, he was invincible. We do seem to have an obsession with meltdowns though. And yes. um, there is this sort of perverse in the, in researching this book, did you find did you, any answers as to why the American people are so sort of captured with these kind of heartbreaking defeats and why we're so obsessed with them as a nation? Well, I think it's twofold. I would say one is there's definitely a schadenfreude element. Where people like seeing uh, people's misery for whatever reason, and it, you know, just there's something fascinating about witnessing a car wreck in, in a you know in a in a way. So there's that part of it, but also I think there's the empathetic. Empath- empathic element of it which is people feel for things like you know most people i would say when you watch someone miss a field goal in a clutch situation or make a boneheaded play can relate it at some level to themselves and what that person must be feeling and what it must be like to walk off the field and know that you've let your whole team down so i think that there's that part of it is more um you know more poignant to a lot of people because it's such a universal feeling even if you don't play uh, sports at the highest level it's just something that you've experienced in some way or another and certainly for me like that was something that I was always drawn to even in like my early newspaper days and you know you would go to you know x game and you know there would be you know the playoffs one team season would end and I always remember like how I would always be drawn to that losing locker room and what they were going through and sort of how they dealt with it because it just for me I I sympathized with that you know with that you know, that dynamic so much more than the guys who were holding the trophy. And there does seem to be that sort of visceral reaction one way or the other, whereas, you know, and we'll talk about Greg Norman, but for me, that yeah. Greg Norman, that made me love Greg Norman. I, I, he became a, 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 a person, a human being to me in that loss and someone that I would sort of forever root for and empathize with. For other people, they hated him for it. And, it, you know, sure. I, I think you see it with LeBron James, too. You know, LeBron James's inability to win for me, that made him more interesting as an athlete. For some people, that made him detestable. Completely. The Norman story for me it was exactly what you described, which was, and this was a point in my life where golf was sort of on my radar, but 
I remember watching, and I write about this in the in the book about how Greg Norman. I knew he was this great golfer. I had a vague idea that the Masters was something that meant a lot to him that he hadn't won, and I tuned in to watch him, you know, win his finally win the Masters, and then you see him melt down over 18 holes. And it's exactly what you described, Nate, which is that for a lot of people. It was showing someone's humanity, like showing that, wow, this is a real person who is who is having a nightmare on national television. And, you know, in my mind, the, the way he handled it was, was far more you know, validating for me than if he had won and, and just, you know, that well. But just the fact that he was able to be gracious and congratulating Faldo and his mistakes along the way was hugely impressive and it really was one of those sort of defining moments for me both getting interested in golf but also just interested in sports writing and in sport. What I'm curious about Sam um, is how much you know if he had won that tournament by a stroke all of this is sort of forgotten. Do you think that this is Norman going back and trying to diagnose the loss after it happens and ascribing meaning to things that maybe didn't have any meaning? Or, or do you think there was something really going on here? No, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, certainly I think probably people wondering what, what happened and him trying to put words to it. I think, uh, I, I think he's pretty honest that it was something was askew right from the start. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think that he was trying to invent something that wasn't there. I think it's you know a lot of the the problems he was contending with um, were real, and and he was struggling with it. And but you're absolutely right. Like he had he won um, by a shot, you know. First of all, there's probably a hundred golfers who have won major championships in, in a very similar way, which was they you know were playing well for a little while, but then they held together and they fought off all of their demons, and they've just managed to hold on. But we wouldn't think of him in the same way. And like you said earlier, Nate, like you probably wouldn't think too much about Greg Norman, the person, had he won because he'd just yep. be another millionaire golfer who won a big tournament and that was that. But because he had this very relatable moment, it just becomes much more um, identifiable to so many more people. Yeah. And Sam, I feel like this must have been – I mean just backing up quickly, like I feel like this must have been kind of tricky to write about. Because even though sport, winning and losing is obviously such a part of sports, like I feel like the sports world is so binary with this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're good, you win, and if you're and if you lose, you're bad, and that's kind of the end of it. And you're kind of trying to discuss the sort of gray areas in between, right? Completely. And people ask me that question, like, "Oh, it must have been so hard to to ask people about, you know, their, you know, getting people to talk about their losses." Well, first of all. For mostly people that I was talking to, these are all known entities. Like this is a big part of their biography, so it's not like they're trying to cover it up. But the other thing is, you know, in from where I was standing, um, I was saying, hey, the way you and I, I was, I was shameless in the way I was buttering people up when I was asking these questions because I was interested in people who handled losing well. So I, w- I would, I would say, uh, listen, I want to talk to you about the 1996 Masters because in my mind how you handle that was such an amazing thing. So suddenly it's a much more flattering pitch to these people. Um, and frankly, the people who, who lost, who, who, who resented or you know, railed at the question weren't the people I wanted to talk to anyway because they obviously didn't embrace the, the ideal of the book, which is that losing has great value and great, you know, great benefits to us. So, you know, and it, and it extended well beyond sports. I mean, I did it with Michael Dukakis, who obviously 
you know, lost the presidency in 1988 and made a whole whole bunch of mistakes along the way. That could have been very easily his response could have been, "Oh man, I don't want to talk about that." You know, why do you got to bring up the name? Why do you got to bring up such a, a sore part of my history? Whereas he was like, "Yeah, that's a big part of my life, and I'm happy to talk about it." Yeah. So, and then, and, and speaking of the various people you interviewed, you obviously mentioned Michael Dukakis. Um, uh, mm-hmm. can, can you talk about Susan Lucci? Who I was actually, <laughs> I was actually at Golf Digest when you sort of talked about this idea broadly yeah. and i was like who's susan lucci and you right. kind of talked me through the story and it's it, it really is kind of amazing for somebody who had no idea that this this was a thing yeah it's it's it, for me the, the this the reason i was drawn to susan lucci was because susan lucci was essentially a meme uh when i was growing up like she was you know sports writers would use her as the metaphor for someone who always lost like this you know the buffalo bills were the the susan lucci of of football and um, you know, ex hockey team was the Susan, uh, the Susan Lucci of of hockey, just by in, in their inability to get it done or to win. And she, you know, she was this soap opera actress. I was not a big soap opera guy, but she was this soap opera actress who was nominated for a daytime Emmy Award eighteen consecutive years and lost eighteen consecutive times. And it was like a thing where people were like, oh, the daytime Emmys did Susan Lucci win? It's like, no, she lost again. It was this sort of known thing. Well, actually, I was kind of interested in how did Susan Lucci feel about you know this sort of uh, that she became this caricature for losing. And so I wanted to talk to her. And the other interesting thing about Susan Lucci was um, not only did she have to deal with this sort of identity as the consummate loser, but she also had a family. She had kids, and one of her kids actually ended up being a pretty competitive uh, amateur golfer, actually turned pro for a while and played. So now you have that component, which was how does someone who has been sort of around the consummate loser uh, his entire life, how does that – uh, impact his view of competition and putting yourself out there. So, um, and the the son Andreas uh, talks quite a bit about how, you know, strange as it sounds, how his mom's experiences with losing every year and putting herself out there and going to the award show and coming home empty-handed was, you know, hugely influential in the way he helped handled, you know, losing in golf and you know blowing tournaments and things like that. So she ended up being, uh, you know, interesting in the sense that I wanted to expand the scope of the book beyond just obvious sports losers. Um, but and so she was great for that. But also she did have uh, this you know connection to sports, which I thought was also interesting. And Sam, I guess the next natural question is: she lost eighteen times straight. Mm-hmm. Um, how did she handle winning? Right. <laughs> She handled it. I mean, she obviously handled it great. I think, you know, again, the the great thing about losing, I think, is that, you know, it's the it it injects people with humility. You know, you're you're suddenly in losing as many times as you do. You have such a great appreciation for when you do win. So, you know, that, you know, you're a, you're entitled to a great celebration and a little bit of gloating. But you also have to be humble enough to realize that, you uh, you know, this could have easily gone the other way because it happened to so many other times. So she, I thought she handled it uh, both ends of that pretty well. She obviously basked in the the glory of winning on that 19th try, but also she was gracious enough to realize that um, there was a long road that led up to this that was, um, and that it easily could have gone the other way. I don't want to spoil the end of the uh, end of the book, Sam. But is the, are, were there any things you found that that surprised you both? something that you, you know, in researching this book that you would take away into your own life, whether it be in the workplace or as a father? Yeah, I mean, there's, there are a million things. I mean, sort of the, 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 um, 
like I said, the genesis of the book was my kids, and you know, both are still you know at a, at a young enough age where they're not going to handle everything great. But I do feel like there's just some some constant beating of this drum of wow, this is going to help you long term. This is a great test to your character. So having the uh, having the perspective at times that when you're dealt um, a negative outcome, whatever it be, to realize okay, in some way this is going to help me. Um, be it in motivating motivating me to work harder or identifying flaws in my approach um, or just developing the resilience to withstand this and bounce back. So all those things are sort of universal um, themes that, that I came across. The other big thing uh, I thought was sort of the preemptive element. Look, I kind of talked about this with the Norman part, which is that it's not so much about how you handle um, – losing when it happens but also how you go into competition and maybe reassess what your goals are so again if you're using greg norman as the model you know success maybe success doesn't have to be just the only definition of success is winning but maybe the de- success should be sticking to a process you know sticking to your game plan you know focusing on every shot uh, all those cliches but actually having sort of small tangible goals to start so that you're not um, sort of overwhelmed by the you know the, the the larger task of winning. So really focusing on process is a big part of it too. It, Sam, know, like, oh, sorry, go. Oh, sorry to sorry to interrupt me. I was just about to. I was just kind of curious too on what something you just said. Like, I feel like there's a bit of a. I mean, granted, I'm not in the parent teacher discussion board, so I, I'm very yeah. much an outsider looking we're, in. But... And we're, we're grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> very grateful. Um, but it seems like there's this growing movement, maybe it's overblown, uh, about trying to sort of insulate kids from losses a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole, like, give everybody a trophy. Totally, um, totally. You, it, do you ever get any pushback? Because you're kind of arguing exactly the opposite, right? Like, you're saying we should redefine success so it's not to do with trophies, really. Um, but you're also well, saying, like, losing is something that should be embraced, just like winning is something that should be Totally. Embraced. So I, I do, I do, I talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit here, because it's very tricky. I, I am not a everyone-gets-a-trophy, participatory ribbon type guy. I do think, however, that, so, because I, I do feel like kids need to um, know there are going to be games they lose, and they're going to have to, you know, sustain losses and deal with that. So I, I'm a big believer in that. However... I'm also a big believer that that you know you should be rewarded for uh, for effort and working hard and showing up every day and there's no that there's no shame in that. So like if I had to be put a really fine point on it, I would say I don't like giving a trophy to every kid um, just for just for you know being there on the last day of getting a trophy. But I do feel like kids should be rewarded for 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 working hard, putting effort in, uh, you know, you know, m- making themselves part of a team. I do feel like those are valuable. Um, you know, elements of of sportsmanship that should be should be rewarded. Um, but you're right; it's very tricky, especially in the world I occupy, because there is this sort of you're like you said. There's this uh, sentiment out there that we should insulate our kids from the the you know the negative elements of sports and the, competi- the competition side. And maybe that's true up until age six or seven. But at some point, and this is a big point of the book, is that you know, you're going to have to deal with losing, and if you don't deal with it losing in sports, you're going to have to deal with it in getting a grade you don't want in school or not getting into the college you don't want to or all those things. So so the earlier you have some skills that you can develop in that arena, the better off you are long term. That's such an, a, a smart and interesting way of looking at it. And, you know, I sort of 
have never really known where I where I land on this debate about competition for children. And I think too often that, you know, the people arguing for the no participation trophies are the people who are saying, you know, this country built on winners. We need to, <laughs> to instill winning in, in kids. And I'm like, oh, that sounds wrong. But the way right. you frame it, I think, is a lot more interesting and a lot more correct, which is losing creates grace. It creates dignity. It creates humility. Mm-hmm. And without that, um, you know, that it's hard to imagine how those things can be instilled more more sort of succinctly and, and kind of beautifully than in sports completely i mean i just think it's it's inevitable and you could be the most you could be the 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 you know most successful little league pitcher of all time that's probably that run is going to end at some point mm-hmm. so you know how are you developing those skills for for later on because um it's it's going to be something you're going to need to deal with and and i just i just feel like um you know, having those, I'm much more impressed by the kids who, who lose and then come back the next day and, and, and even just show up and show determination, determination the next day. Never mind just winning. Luke, final question. So Sam, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about how, you know, just uh, what the process is like. I want to back up here and just say like, what's it been like on your end? You know, you've, I've heard from multiple people. I've never written about, but they've said, it's just such a grueling process, like actually getting it all down. You've got it all down, obviously. Now you're in the mm-hmm. uh, now you're in the, the process. shameless promotion. Side. The yeah. shameless promotion yeah. process is clipped <laughs> yeah. into gear. Um, how, how you doing? How you doing, buddy? Like how you feeling about all this? I, I mean, I've, I I feel great. I mean, like there, you know, there's the whole book side of it, which I don't know if you want to get into, which is you know, it's a very strange um, feeling to work on something for so long and then it sort of leaves you and now it's out of your hands and you know so. That's a weird thing, especially for internet guys like us. I mean, I work at Golf Digest, so on the at website, so like I'm so used to just being able to do things every second. So I've been, you know, this book has been out of my hands for basically six months. So uh, that's weird. I will say um, the one thing that's really interesting is it is a grueling process. But everyone said the one thing you need to know when you when you do a book is you have to really love the topic because you're going to live with that topic every day. And in, in that way, I've been very fortunate because it's something I really do live with every day. Whether it be in my profession, you know, in sports, just you know, dealing, looking at people handle winning and losing, but also just as a dad, it's something that I literally um, can can utilize in some form or another. Um, whether it's coaching hockey practice later today or whatever, and so I'm lucky in that the that part of it was has been very easy, and I've been you know I've been very blessed to have something that I really feel passionate about. Everyone, the book is called "Win at Losing: How Our Biggest Setbacks Can Lead to Our Greatest Gains." The author is San Wyman. It's available on Amazon for pre-order right now. Um, it comes out December 20th. Great Christmas gift for the loser in your life, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote your tagline, Sam. Don't. Uh, Thank you. That's, tell your, that's wonderful. Tell Thank your you. marketing company, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the book's marketing department. You're welcome. I just we'll send you with. a check. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, man, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And Luke, thanks as always. Thanks, both of you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.